listening to the Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did you say you're doing wrestling moves? Oh god, I'm bleeding. Jason Kale is walking around on stilts. It's fucked up. I like to spice our pee bottle. I'm looking for a drummer who will double as my driver. Dave, please. I'm not going to do it. Let it end. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to touch that little red button. If I'm dissatisfied by a slur or a messed up word, I'm not (laughs) going to touch it. I'm not going to. Maybe you should if if that's the case. No, I don't mean like like a slurred word, not like a slur against. Yeah, we aren't into that. You should maybe clarify a little. I think I just did. I feel like touching it again, man. I feel like hitting the stop recording button. You keep that sausage finger away from this red record button. My name is Dave McAllister. And I'm Feedy. And this is the first, the premiere, the inaugural episode of the Thundercling Podcast. Wow, what is that? Wow, what what is the Thunder... Hey, what is that? Like a podcast or the Thundercling Podcast? The Thundercling. Well, I can't tell you what Thundercling... I'm not comfortable saying if you don't already know my hmm. co-host and partner in this endeavor for yeah. the last three months. Yeah, how, if why you don't, don't I know what Thundercling is? We should probably have a meeting after this show. Oh shoot! But maybe nobody else knows either. But yeah. maybe we should we should record. I mean, we have a lot of episodes recorded. Let's yeah. just let's let's just slide them to the public, and then everybody will find out. Together, you together. Yeah, it'll be like a bonding experience. Oh my god, I love bonding. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a rock climbing podcast. Oh yeah, that's bro. right. Yeah, let's rock keep it there. Climbing. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. We're gonna talk to professional athletes we're going to talk to industry folks mm-hmm. we're going to talk to the gym folks like the coaches and the trainers and the setters and simple basic people like you dave yes we are going thank you for that feedy yeah we are going to talk to uh regular climbers if you have a story if you have um a point of view that is illuminating to, <laughs> the, to the dullards among us yep like feedy thank you dave you're welcome as well um we're going to tell you guys how to do that on the flip side after the interview. And speaking of which, bro, who, who, do, who do we even have on this show? Uh, let me just. Oh, there it is. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We have so many people on this show, so it's hard to find. No, uh, I think you had it. Oh, wait. Actually, hold on. There it is. Ah, there, there it is. is. Ah, James, Lucas, and Nina Williams. Nina Williams. If you don't know who Nina Williams is and you're listening to this podcast. Get out. All right, that was get weird. out. That, we, that's all you need to say, J- Feedy. I'm sorry, I just, just get emotional. Take it easy, <laughs> but seriously, get out. Uh, Nina Williams is one of the strongest climbers in America, and mm-hmm. that's just all there is to it, dude. Yep, nothing more. She climbs hard, V13. She climbs scary. She's thoughtful. She's thoughtful. The Grandpa Peabody trifecta Ooh, is the scary part, but she is strong. super thoughtful, yeah. which is one of the reasons we wanted her on the show as our first guest. She also uh, dabbles in trad climbing. She's a what? burgeoning traditional climber. Feedy, do you know what that means? That means that for her, she just plugs widgets on a 513 bead out in Yosemite, put up by none other than James Lucas. James Lucas, who is our other guest on the show. Oh my God. Amazing coincidence you brought him up. Oh, wow. Is he the 
Is he the last American dirtbag? Who called him that? Cedar Wright, um, <laughs> in a in a video, um, a number of years ago, did label uh, James Lucas as the last American dirtbag. Yeah. I got some beef with that guy. Wait, with James or with Cedar? With Cedar, just because he labeled James the last American dirtbag. Uh, yes, just now it just developed. Wow. That's crazy. I'm sorry you feel that way. It's just crystallized. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, maybe not to you. Why is it a big deal to you, um, dude? That's a good question. <laughs> because in this world, you have to stand up for what you believe, Dave. And I believe that Cedar was wrong there. And the only way we'll ever know the truth is if I take Cedar onto a gravel driveway and we wrestle bare chest and settle it that way. So, As two immature adults. Settle your... My you, beef, yeah. On, on the first Thundercling podcast, you just called out Cedar Wright to, if I can get this straight, a bare-chested uh-huh. wrestling match yep. on a gravel driveway yeah. to settle your particular beef yeah. that he does not share with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, and, dude. And to be fair, I actually like, I like Cedar a lot. But you know what? I want that match. All right. Uh, Cedar, in the improbability that you're (laughs) listening right now, um, I have no skin in this game. I have no horses in this Mm -hmm. race. But Feedy is jabbing his finger into the air. Yep. He's pretty worked up over here. Sweating. Um, If you feel like a bare-chested wrestling match on a gravel driveway would help solve Feedy's issues, um, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Oh my God, you better start training, bro. <sighs> I know. I better start like rolling around in gravel to build up some skin tolerance for that. It's pretty painful. Yeah, especially yeah. if he gets the upper He's hand in got, the match and I he mean, just like he, destroys you. Have you seen his like the way he just? Yeah, yeah. See the doors open. Please come on by. Come on by. Come on yeah. by. <laughs> v- Vd's gonna rent out a, a gravel driveway for you guys to mm-hmm. settle his beef. Correct. All right. Well, back to James Lucas. Oh yeah, that's right. that's where we're. What I don't we're even doing. remember what we were talking about. <laughs> I know that he's climbed Freerider in a day. His long, long term project. Um, he is also known for a hundred and ten foot soloing fall Louise. he took in Joshua Tree off North Overhang. Dude's tough. Hit a ledge. Was like, whoa, that hurt. I'm okay. And then he fell off said ledge. And he hit the ground, <sighs> and he's like, "Oh fuck, I'm, I'm not okay." But he lived because <laughs> we're obviously because we're talking to him, and we're yes, not mediums. We're not mediums. But if you know, if you know someone who does, that if they can train of, us, if they to can be train mediums? us. It'd be really helpful because, like, a lot of our guests, Thunder, they, yeah, it's hard to get guests these days. Thunderclingpodcast at gmail dot com. Please teach us how to teach be us, mediums. Yep. But in this case, James did survive that. Thank God that horrific fall, that accident. Um, and he's gone on to do all kinds of good stuff, yeah. but not including being a rack on tour, scrubbing off the lightning bolt <laughs> on midnight lightning Jeez. in camp four. I kind of think that was a pretty cool thing to do. I don't know. Oh my God. That's, that is, that's actually almost more controversial than what Cedar did, but what Cedar did as the Cedar <laughs> doing, saying that James, how dare he, man, is he worked up. Feedy's right. not going to always be like this. But um, he's also one of my favorite writers at the Climbing Magazine desk. And so I'm psyched that we have them both on. Nina Williams, James Lucas, 
they're also dating. They're here. Yeah, that's a climber power couple. I'm psyched, man. Well, let's give the people what they want. They want James and Nina, not Feedy and Dave. Yeah, those guys suck. Let's go to the interview. Hey. What is up, dude? Hello. Um, I'm so out of breath. I was just doing wrestling moves in the He's warming up. He's getting ready. (sighs) It's like shadow boxing. Um, Nina, this is Feedy. Hi, Nina. Hey, are, do you guys have a, I don't have a video on. Oh, um, no. Maybe. Nobody needs to see our faces. <laughs> <laughs> well, I turned it on, but. Oh, my God. I, oh, hi. I'm turning it off. <laughs> All right. Is, uh, is James there? Yeah, I'm here. Hello, Hello James. James. Hey, how's it going? Good, dude. My name's Dave. Um, I don't think Dave. we've met before, but my girlfriend did do the art for, what piece was that in? That one-time oh, okay. climbing piece? Oh, yeah. I, I know, Lynn. I've seen her in uh, Rhino a few times, and then I've seen her around the valley in random spots. Yeah, she lived out there for... Oh, yeah, she was probably living out there when you were. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Oh, right on. Oh, my God. I'm so out of breath. <gasps> what? Did you say you're doing wrestling moves? Yeah. Dave used to be know. a very talented wrestler. Well, that's open for you, debate. Just look at his strong little body. But I, I was doing some pretty badass wrestling moves, there, if I do say so myself. How are you guys doing? Oh, good. We haven't been wrestling at all. Maybe oh, a little shoot. Tonight, oh, hey! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we did. Um, I don't know if you guys knew, but this is... Uh, you don't know anything about the podcast, really, but this is a dating podcast, so. Oh, really? Yeah, we have the lights, like, really low, and we have candles burning, and there are, like, red silk scarves over oh. the remaining lights. That that sounds sexy. Do you think, will I be able to find you on Misconnections? Yeah, we're like going to... Wrestling uh, partners? I was, I was completely naked during my wrestling routine earlier. Oh. <laughs> I'm clothed now. Oh, okay. That's good. It's good. <laughs> well, I mean, you want to have like, you want to have some clothes on so you can take them off. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the tease. Yeah, the anticipation. All of a sudden it's like all right there. It's, it's just not as exciting sometimes. <laughs> well, Feedy wouldn't take his clothes off and it's like super uncomfortable to be sitting on the same couch when I'm, the right time. I'm buck naked oiled up and totally oiled up yeah. and feeding's yeah. just feeding's just in his clothes i'm trying to be professional this definitely sounds like a climbing podcast <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> we're not very professional um all okay. right i know you guys are 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 you leaving tomorrow nina uh day after tomorrow day after tomorrow okay cool um so let's just kick it off and this is going to be super low key so the first question I have for y'all, since this is a climbing dating podcast, is uh, how did you give us a backstory of how you guys met? Um, misconnections. I put out this ad looking for wrestling partners. I respondent. <laughs> I actually have that. I have that bookmarked. I can't believe I didn't see you. I'm only on Christian Mingle, so. 
<laughs> yeah, I was just looking for a guy who could throw me around, you know? <laughs> wow. That's exactly the response I expected. <laughs> I... James actually messaged me on Facebook because he had a joke that he wanted to run by me. Really? <laughs> see if it was funny. Not. Truly? Like apropos of nothing? Yeah, well, I'd like talked to Nina like mm-hmm. a while before because I was working for the Touchstone Climbing Gyms and um, she came to one of the comps and she won. And so I interviewed her for that just over the internet and then sent her Facebook friend requests. And then I was in Spain and um, I was hanging out with this girl who should I say her name? Uh, Dude, you're know. you're in a safe place. You're <laughs> in a getting, s- it's getting edited later on because yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can edit it out. Okay, I I was hanging out with Beep, and uh, <laughs> she she's like, oh, you want to like? She's this strong European climber, and she's like, oh, you want to see some pictures of the Radicon? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And she shows me these pictures of like these really sick limestone walls and like this amazing sport climbing and like these incredible long, um, limestone routes. And then she's like, Oh, you want to see some pictures of me modeling? And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. And she shows me a picture of her in a dress and in Spain and a picture of her like blowing chalk through her hands, a picture of her food. Oh my God, that's so hot. (laughs) Like, you know, walking down the street of Barcelona, and uh-huh. I'm like, "What did did she just show me a picture of her boob?" Oh, whoa! And I, I was like, "Oh, I I, th- I think she did," and I wasn't really sure how I should respond, and so I was like, I'm trying to like ask <laughs> random people like how I should respond. Yeah, that's a difficult one. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna put together this little slideshow and be like, oh, <laughs> like." Here, here's a picture of Half Dome. Here's a picture oh, no. of me cap. Here's a picture of me climbing on Fifi Buttress. Here's a picture of a really small penis. Here's a picture <laughs> of a little cathedral. <laughs> and then I, I wasn't sure if I, it should be like a really small penis or like a really yeah. big one. Did you have and, a choice in the matter? Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, I wasn't going to show her my penis. Ah, uh, I see. Not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean... It's like, oh, you just showed me a picture of your boob. Not like I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. And I kind of want to ask random people just to see how appropriate it was to even like see that response. And so me and my, I had another climbing friend there, and we like went through. And I showed all those pictures, and then the the penis came up, and it was just dead silent. And no, I was like, wait, 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 wait. You really did show her, uh, not your, but a a penis yeah. uh-huh yeah there's uh me <laughs> this other famous sport climber in the room and we we're all sitting on the couch together and i told him i was like hey this is what i'm gonna do <laughs> watch and, out for the penis drop yeah yeah <laughs> and it was just crickets and i was like oh i think that joke worked better on facebook maybe <laughs> wow yeah so moral of the story like nobody wants to see your dick pic yeah, yeah. D- don't reciprocate yeah, with a penis uh-huh. pick. Yeah. 
just let if, it go, man. Yeah. Yeah, just like oh, you got to see a, a boob. Yep. Well, I think the factor that's really missing in all of this is that the picture you shared her was a really small penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a micro penis. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I figured it's like better to like undersell than oversell. Yeah. Keep them guessing. <laughs> yeah, that is truly it. Under promise and over deliver. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you. you You'd rather have them say like, "Oh, oh, oh, great," than for them to be like, uh, "Oh." So, so let uh, me get this straight. You met Nina because you so, sent her micro penis photos. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I I essentially just told her the story I told you. Yeah, okay. he laid and out. I, this... I was like, "Should I send the micro? Should I show a micro penis or something bigger?" <laughs> and is this appropriate? And Nina, in her inner wisdom, yep. was like, "You have to show the micro penis." I was like, "Yeah, you should definitely do the small one." Yeah. Wow, James, and- I can't believe you and that girl didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I came up a little short on that one. Oh my god, that's great. Well played. And then, uh, and so then I had like some rapport with with Nina, and then uh, when I moved to Boulder, we started climbing together. I need some partners, and we took some climbing trips together. And then after that, we we started dating. Nice. James, James asked me to go on a two week trip to Yosemite with him, and this was like this is that that would have been like the longest amount of time we had hung out together. And he said that he asked me because he thought I was going to bail. What? He like figured I wouldn't go. But this was at a point where I was all psyched in Yosemite, so I was like, hell yeah, like, I'm going to go for sure. God, <laughs> that's amazing. James is like a consummate underseller. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, she's not going to go, so I, I'll just, like, I'll ask, and then at least I, like, made the effort of asking. No, well and, done. That's well played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, Nina, was that your was that your first time to the Valley? No, I, the first time I went to the Valley was in 2015, I want to say, um, and just like did some random stuff, but I had been there before. Is that in 2015, is that when you did Final Frontier? No, that was 2016. Yeah, that, yeah, following year maybe. Yeah. And that's your route, right, James? Yeah, yeah, I put that one up and, uh, i broken my foot a few weeks before that trip i was like uh bouldering in rocky mountain national park at like midnight and i fell and missed a crash pad Uh, ouch i like hiked out like a couple miles and then um i couldn't really climb for a few for like six or seven weeks and we had this yosemite trip plan and i was like oh well, you should just do this route. I'll like support you on it. I've already done it. And it's a, it's like a good one, good introduction to kind of big wall free climbing. It's just 900 feet, but it's pretty sustained. Yeah. So, um, what'd you break your foot on? Uh, some like, well, I was topping out this V6 called revenge and lower chaos. And I like, <clears throat> I know revenge. I, yeah, I slipped off the the very top, and I didn't have a pad underneath me. I was gonna say that's kind of a crazy one to break your foot on. That's not not super tall, but it's kind of a 
shit show there at the bottom and you, yeah, you like fall down the straw. Yeah. Like I fell down and I hit like this little boulder all underneath it. And then I ping pong down and then I twisted my ankle a little bit. And I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> oh man. I, I gotta yeah. say, James, I have been a big fan of following your social media posts about your d- deep dive into bouldering. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, pursuit of, of getting better at that. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's been very, it, it's just been fun to see you, you know, like progressing. And, yeah. uh, I was wondering when do you think you're going to return and try to take down turning point? <laughs> uh, turning point. uh, I think I'm going to go tomorrow night. Whoa. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the weather's like starting to get cold. I went down out there on Saturday and I figured out some micro beta. Nice. Like, how I kind of need to grab my left hand, like how closed I need to have my hand to get my heel up. Nice. So I, th- I think I'll be able to do it this fall and I'll <laughs> probably like start low pointing it. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. So. And you got to find the perfectly thin pad for the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like um, some uh, tissues that I'm going to use. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, they'll help me like start off the ground, and if I don't stand, I can always wipe away my tears with them. Boom! Oh, good luck, dude. I'm sure you're gonna crush it. It has yeah. been. It's. Uh, I was thinking like you guys have been up to some <clears throat> some climbing that people would be like, "What? What's going on with these two? Like Nina, you're about ready to go to Yosemite again to tackle another. Um, multi-pitch big wall and james Mm -hmm. you're like in upper upper every day after work it's like fucking bizarro world (laughs) james is actually gonna we're both going to yosemite but i'm going up on the on the wall and james is gonna boulder yeah this is is breaking my head yeah (laughs) well it's it's known as the old bait and switch yeah right (laughs) yeah you're like teases one thing and that, that's where it tracks the person. And then you're like, oh, uh, actually, I want a boulder. And she wants to try climb. That, so. that leads me to a question. Do you, um, what have you guys learned from each other? Like in, because you've been dating for quite a while now, what, three years? Uh, two years, actually. Two years. So what have you guys learned from each other, like in actual climbing? And then like how to relate to to climbing like the sport and the lifestyle well we've learned that we can't give each other beta ever because <laughs> it's for the other person mm-hmm. um right. which, which is honestly kind of nice because we just end up really just supporting just being like oh yeah good job like that's great you know how, how long is your rest going to be like we focus on things other than the movement that's a blessing like yeah. that you can't give each other beta yeah. for sure yeah i think we've both been in situations where we really 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 wish the other put the the other (laughs) could give us beta um but it just never works out um i'd say i don't know lessons i so i'm an only child and james is one of six yes siblings yeah and he's we he's really had to teach me how to share <laughs> uh, only child syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> um, how to like manage our time equally. So that's been a great, le- a good lesson for me. What about you, James? 
Uh, I bet Nina's taught me a little more about like how to like climb super hard. So smaller things like how you grab holds, um, like the tempo of your climbing, when to climb fast and when to climb slow, uh, how to breathe on something and the tempo of your breathing, like when to exhale, when to inhale, when to just give short bursts of breath through difficult sections. Um, and then just how to be super fixated on a tiny little move. Which, I, I mean, oh. that, that sort of fixation helps with larger scale goals. Like if you want to free climb El Cap, it usually comes down to a little boulder problem. Yeah. But, but equally, I don't know, maybe James has learned how to focus on the, the details for me, for me, but he's really taught me how to, um, look at the big picture and consider not just the physical like movement aspect of climbing, but just the, the, the manual labor that goes into it. What do you mean by that? <laughs> um, well, like when it comes to climbing multi-pitch walls, uh, it's not, for me, it's not about being strong enough. It's about having a big enough work capacity to like haul and organize all my gear and just like get my shit together. <laughs> yeah. Um, James has had some really good advice as far as systems and like just, just committing and getting stuff done. James is an OG when it comes to that. Yeah. It's sort of like that learning that the drive to like go up to upper, upper chaos every other day or go up on El Cap every day or like do all this hauling and do all this jumaring. Like that, that's a learned skill, I think. It is, dude. I've been climbing for almost 20 years, and I'm going to echo what Feedy said, but um, like seeing your social media posts damn near every day, it's like, oh, I got off work at five, and then I went up to upper, upper, and that's like four times a week. I really admired that, especially since it, I mean, I've followed your career for a long time, followed your writing since your old blog, The uh, Walking Monkey, what was yeah, that's it. Wow, that's impressive. That's deep. That's a deep cut. But anyway, um, I only my mom read that. <laughs> no, your mom and me. Oh, nice. Uh, um, I was gonna make a super off color joke there, but I'm not gonna but, go there. Yeah, don't talk about my mom and wrestling. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna do it against all of my better instincts. I'm not gonna do it. Um. But anyway, I really admire that man. Like you, it, I, I don't, that like taught me a lesson that like, there's plenty of time in the day if you're motivated enough, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yep. what, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's it. <laughs> right. Um, what has you speaking of motivation? What has you guys like super motivated for the rest of 2018? Can you talk about what's coming up on the schedules? Um, let's see. I'm about to go to London for a few days, um, for the women's climbing symposium. And then, uh, James and I will be going down to the South for 10 days. Hey, let's pump uh, the brakes on the women's climbing symposium. Like you mentioned that to me the other day and that's Shauna Coxie's, um, symposium. Like she puts that together. Mm -hmm. What yep. exactly is that? Uh, it's just a, a big, it's like the British version of the women's climbing festival here. So there's a bunch of speakers and clinics, 
Uh, and it's a time when women get to come together at the Harrow Harrow Wall Gym in London mm-hmm. um, and hang out and and you know pass along information and just like have a good time. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, I have more about that a little bit later. I have a question, but we're not going to, it, it, it might get intense when I ask that question. So we're going to hold that off till later. But, um, what are you guys doing in the South? Um, so I'm mainly, I'm going to be working (laughs) for a little bit. I'm going for a couple events. So the first event is, is the women's climbing festival in Chattanooga. Oh, that's Uh, Shelma June's, right? mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I've always gone to the Bishop one, but, uh, I've never been to, I've never even climbed in the South. So that'll be really fun. And then, um, I am actually going to be doing it, doing a day with Arno Ilner, uh, the mindset master. I want to try and, uh, learn from him a little bit. So that'll be, uh, for a day. And then we'll go to steel Alabama for, uh, the color of the crag event. What's the color of the crag event? Um, it's an event where I think this is its second year, uh, where a bunch of people of color just get to go and hang out. And similar to the women's festival, it's like when um, everyone just gets to to chat and climb together. There's clinics and a speaker series, and uh, just like really good vibes all around. Um, I've never, I've actually never been to either the women's symposium in London or the color of the crag. So I have like no expectations or like no idea of, of how it'll be exactly, but I'm really looking forward to them. Man, that's great. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to bust out this question right now. I don't, I don't fucking care. Um, (laughs) basically I want to talk about this at the very end because my mind is like exploding for the last like three years in our country. Um, and I don't see many professional climbers like speaking out about politics or the state of our world very often. Like I know that Honold's involved in sustainable energy and like fossil fuel usage and Tommy and a few other climbers went to Capitol Hill, I think last year to speak out about conservation and land usage. And Seagrist was involved in a bit of a land dispute in Vegas. And of course, Shelma June and Georgie Abel have voices, um, involved with like sexism and misogyny in the outdoor industry and the wider world. Along with some others, and obviously you too, Nina, do you guys, both of you, do you think it's important for like climbers with a voice that people listen to and follow on social media, do you think it's important that they speak out to like our little tribe for better or worse? Yeah. I mean, we want it. I think it's important to always be having those discussions and try and make the world a better place. And it, it starts within your own community. I just don't see it very often. Yeah. Why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you, uh, and I, I have no idea. So I'm just going to ask you what, do you think that climbers are reticent to speak out about their political beliefs or, um, that they feel maybe a bit of fear because a, a sponsored athlete, of course, is sponsored by a giant corporation. And you of course don't want to, um, offend the people who sign your checks. I have no idea, but I just don't see a lot of it. And it, uh, disappoints me a little bit. I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with the, the age of most climbers and the, like 
older I've gotten, the more I care about politics and human rights and the community and conservation. Yeah. It's kind of, when I was 20, I just wanted to go rock climbing. I was like living in a like tent in the woods or like sleeping in the boulders and you it's a lot harder to have a voice and to really care when you're not as connected to the world and i mean in in everybody's defense in that state whether you're on the road in the back of your saturn or living in a tent or just dirt bagging it in bishop or whatever you're doing i understand that you can be um separated from those thoughts because you know you're intensely vigorous about what you're doing right you just want to climb every day but people but these professional climbers with uh, a voice that people really listen to and the time to kind of speak to the things they're passionate about like for example nina it's nice to see you getting so involved like it's really nice that gives me hope that climbers can have a voice in our political climate i mean we're part of like a 600 billion dollar industry you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Yep. And I guess I can't speak for for other climbers or why uh, a lot of the community doesn't speak up. Although I would say a, a, a lot of the community does also speak up mm-hmm. uh, and take action. But I can really only speak for myself. And I have to admit, I feel that I was more active uh, in the past. Um, I, I feel like I was more outspoken on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, I remember posting a photo from the women's March last year, or maybe it was two years ago, two years. Uh, yeah. And man, I, I got a lot of hate for that mm. photo. Really? <laughs> um, I mean, I got a lot of support of course, but it's always, it's always, of course, all the, all the negativity stands out more than the positivity. Right. <laughs> and so, um, I got to a point in my career where I realized that I felt like I, I felt a bit too scattered with what I wanted to stand up for. Like I was only, I was like reposting this petition or, you know, doing some photo in, in honor of like some, some protest or, but it didn't feel sincere for me. Like I was, I was definitely raising awareness and trying to, you know, put stuff on social media, but only doing things through social media felt really, uh, empty to me. I agree. Um, and I didn't feel like any, any real change was coming from, from myself. And I was getting into these heinous, like internet, uh, arguments, yeah. <laughs> um, with, with topics both politically related and just like related to the climbing community that were politically charged, but still like very niche to climbers. And it just felt like a huge waste of time. Um, at, at that at that time, like mainly those those internet fights. So, for for myself, like I've taken the past really couple of years to to reevaluate what I want my career to reflect. Um, and one of those it, it was like this kind of long journey, but one of those steps included um, changing the direction that I wanted to bring my career and and honestly going back to school um, this semester has like. I just felt more motivated to become educated 
uh, more educated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... I, I like dropped out of college to, to pursue climbing and have done that for the past eight years and don't regret it in the slightest, mm-hmm. but, right. um, I want to be able to speak on these issues and not only speak on these issues, but actually do something about them, like create something and not just repost what someone else has said. And what are you going back to school for? Um, at the moment I'm going back for communications. Uh, I, I've always been really fascinated with how people speak to each other and interpret, um, not only how they're speaking to others, but how others are interpreting their behavior. Uh, this ties into like, I've gotten really interested in coaching, um, but not like training coaching. It's more, for lack of a better term, it's essentially life coaching. But I really mm-hmm. hate that because <laughs> I'm not here to coach anyone in their yeah. life. Everyone knows how to live their lives themselves. But I, dude, I'll I'll take a class. I could <laughs> use some fucking help for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still getting my certification, so it's All not right, quite when you easy. when you get it, just give me a text and I'll be your first client. All right, perfect. <laughs> we we gotta help Dave move past wrestling. His in his well, we're uh, thanks for that answer. I hate to that was I I don't think that was a gotcha question, but that kind of comes out of left field. But it, I think about it like twenty four seven. So thanks for answering that. But we were we were kind of touching on the theme of transition. So I have a question, uh, two questions for both of you guys. Uh, and we'll start with you, Nina. Um, like when you become a fully sponsored like professional climber, as you are. Um, I know you do some work with the Adidas uh, social media team as well. So you're plugging in hours. Um, but I, I would imagine that your choices, you need to think about the choices you make. Like you need to kind of decide how you're going to interact with the sport in the public eye or how you're going to drive your career as a professional athlete. So like what decisions did you make early on after becoming a full-time climber in order to find like happiness and satisfaction and clarity in like your life and your climbing career? That's like an essay question. I'm sorry. That's all Dave knows. There's like a lot of, uh, there's a lot I could, I could talk about in that, in that question, but it basically comes down to, um, I really started on my path of becoming a sponsored athlete is because I really didn't want to pay money for gear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> finally the truth. Yeah. <laughs> like seriously, I was just like, man, climbing shoes are expensive. I don't want to pay for that shit. No um, shit. and it evolved into this thing where, yeah, I realized that I'm, I'm representing brands and companies, um, and so what they represent might not always align with what I want to represent. And so I had to make the decision uh, early on to just always try and stay true to myself and um, to really stay in tune with what I wanted, not really and, and not what my sponsors or the people around me wanted. Um, and, and that transition has like come out in a, in a few different ways. I think one of the more recent ones is that uh, so I, after climbing Ambrosia, that, that mm-hmm. high ball in Bishop, yeah. um, I, I climbed Ambrosia like, because I, I wanted to do it for myself and I didn't even know if I could do it when I tried working it. But after I, after I finished it, uh, I almost felt this, a lot of people were like, Oh, what's next? Like, what, yeah. what's your next high ball? What are you going to do? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to make high ball climbing that my career, 
Um, because first of all, cause I want to stay healthy. And <laughs> yeah, stay. No shit. Uh, I'd rather not be injured. Um, and I think if I really focused on, on turning highball climbing into my career, then I would have eventually gotten hurt. Um, so that was the beginning of like rethinking what my career meant to me at this point in my life and, and where I wanted to take it. Uh, tagging on to that, uh, and you know, I would ask you questions about Ambrosia and, uh, James, your, your soloing fall, but it's, you guys have talked about it so much (laughs) elsewhere. So we're going to, we're going to get some different questions. Um, I'm going to tag all, uh, I'm going to put all of those podcasts you've done in the past talking about that stuff in the show notes. So people can go check all those out, but I have a question for you, James, and then we'll get back to a transition question for you. But what was it like? You spotted Nina on Ambrosia, right? Uh, yeah. Can you talk about, <laughs> I mean, I've spotted a couple people on Ambrosia too, and it is, uh, it is the, like the most least and the least enjoyable thing I think I've ever done in climbing. So how, how was that experience for you? Uh, well, I've seen like a lot of my friends do scary stuff. Like, uh, I lived with Honold one winter in Bishop and he did Ambrosia mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if I spotted him, but I was like, I think I watched him. And then the, like a few, maybe later that summer we were up in Squamish together and we were hiking. I was hiking down from the university wall, this like classic six pitch five twelve. Mm-hmm. And Harold was walking up the trail with like his his rock shoes and a chalk bag. And I was like, Oh, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, oh, you you know, just going for a hike. And I was like, Oh yeah. Honald <laughs> <laughs> like, hike. Yeah, Honald hike. And I was like, Oh, are you going up to the university wall? And he's like, Yeah, I think so. And I was like, Oh, cool. We like talked about some beta and then I was like, Cool, have fun. And then I like went down to the parking lot and I stood there. And I grabbed some binoculars and I like, I like watched him and he climbed like the first little bit fine. And then he got to like the, this like five twelve undercling and I'd fallen there. It's like really glassy and slippery. And I was like trying to remember if I put ticks on and if they were in the right spot. And I like, as I'm looking, like I see Honnold's entire body start to shake. Oh my God. I like put the binoculars down and I like breathe just like, (laughs) (laughs) like for three seconds. And then I picked him back up and I looked and Honnold was like climbing perfectly smoothly. Everything (laughs) was going fine. It'd been my hands that were shaking so bad. Oh my gosh. And like, I feel like that that's a lot of what it was like watching Nina climb Ambrosia. It was like, Oh, I've got all this anxiety, but she was super solid on it. And I also like, I was there through the entire process of her working it. Yeah. Um, and so like she had pointed it. So she top roped the top a bunch. 10 times, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so she like worked down it. She kind of like, got got the very top dialed and then a little lower and then a little lower and then a little lower. And I think like right before she did it, she climbed it from like the third or fourth move in 
to the top on top rope and it was like, Oh, okay, well she's got it. Yeah. And it's still like your hands are shaking a little bit nervously, but it's like, well, she's climbing it and she's confident. And so fuck it. I will be too. <laughs> yeah. yeah you've, you've seen the, you've seen the process. Like we don't get yeah. to see the process. So when we see yeah. somebody on it, we're like, fucking come on, don't fall. Right. Like <laughs> oh, you have yeah. to have it wired, but you saw it. She did have it wired. Yeah, yeah, she had it wired, and like, like I knew all the moves when she was doing it. It was like, oh yeah, that should be your next project, dude. Yeah, uh (laughs) yeah. I just need to be like a lot shorter and a lot stronger, and I have to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It'll work. Let's talk about one more transition question. So this is for you, James. Like, um, you're famously known for living out of your Saturn. Uh-huh. And like poaching caves in Yosemite for years and years and years. But you transition to sitting at a desk at Climbing Magazine, which all happened pretty quickly, as I understand it. I mean, would I be correct in my understanding that the death of your Saturn became one of the reasons for your uh, employment at climbing? Well, so kind of. It was like my Saturn died and then I I got a minivan for a little bit. And the, uh, I had the minivan for about a year and a half. And, um, and then I was climbing at the VRG and, uh, the transmission went out <laughs> yeah. and so like, I couldn't put the van in reverse. I could, <laughs> I could only go forward. I was like, Oh Never my God, back. this is some sort of fucked up metaphor in my life. <laughs> exactly. You stole the words out of my mouth. That's <laughs> And so then I like, I was like, oh God, I put the, the trans, the new transmission on my credit card and it it was like, okay, now not only did I not have any money, but I owed money. So I was like, I applied for two jobs. There was a, uh, some rigging work in Las Vegas and then, um, there they were looking randomly for an, a new editor at climbing magazine and, um, the rigging work paid more, but it was like a little less, uh, consistent. Yeah. And then, uh, the climbing magazine job would have meant I had to move to Boulder. And so like I got offered both jobs, like within a couple hours and I was like, Oh God, <laughs> What should I do? And all my buddies were like, you should just move to Boulder, like start a career. Like, I don't know, do like, don't rig. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'll do it. And it's actually been uh, really good. I think that the structured stable lifestyle has helped my climbing a lot. Yeah. Do you miss it? Uh, dirt bagging. Yeah. Or like, I don't, I don't miss like being poor and hungry. I, I do miss like climbing all the time. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I still climb a fair bit. I'm <laughs> like, you fucking do climb all the time that <laughs> you do. Like it, you don't have to be a dirt bag to climb all the time. You can work and then go yeah. climbing afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess like when I like <laughs> dirt bagging, you have like, 
you go to better crags. It's like, I mean, <laughs> I like that's Boulder. So, but that's true. Like, like, would you rather climb around Boulder or climb around Yosemite mm. or Squamish, Squamish, Indian Creek, or somehow finagle enough money to go to Rocklands or Spain or like any of those places where it's like a lot harder to have a job and climb. Yeah. But then you can just travel and go wherever you want all the time. It It's easy to take that shit for granted. Take what shit for granted? Uh, all the amazing places that you're able to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel like a job makes that possible. Yeah. Time, Use time. You know what I mean? Fucking put in your time, bust ass, and then just leave for three months. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't think Matt Samet would be very happy with you, but, you know, just have, yeah. a, have a conversation. Yeah, whatever, Samet. <laughs> yeah, whatever, Samet. Um, I think... Go put on your sweatpants. <laughs> put on your sweatpants and pet your cat, Samet. Yeah. Uh, so, so James, I know Dave said he didn't sweatpants. Wait, what were you gonna say? Uh, so James, I know Dave said he didn't want to go too deep into your your fall story, and I'm not really gonna touch on that. But I just want to say, um, your article that you published in Climbing in 2009, Catharsis, is just yeah. one of my all time uh, favorite pieces of writing you know unrelated to climbing even it's just crazy it's a really uh it's just a really powerful story man and um i was just wondering i guess have you ever thought about uh because because one of the cruxes of your of your your story is that you went back and repeated the route that you fell off of Mm -hmm. and have you ever wondered what would have happened if you maybe just hadn't um done that i guess Wait, it like just... I hadn't fallen or I hadn't gone back? <laughs> Holy shit, both. <laughs> both. Uh, <laughs> We're into hypotheticals on this podcast. Oh, okay. Alternate timelines. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really – I try not to like uh, spend too much time thinking about like hypotheticals and – Instead, spend my energy thinking about what I want to do. Yeah. Totally well, fair. Like, though, because if you get, I mean, it's like if you're climbing and you start thinking, like, oh, what if that piece blows? Oh, what if the piece below it blows? Oh, like, what What if that rock falls? Oh, yeah. what if, or then you, you end up just not going anywhere. Yeah, it's and totally it, true, man. You, you become a little paralyzed. And so I guess I, I just try not to think about it. I feel like once you hurt yourself too, especially enough, you know, I've, I've broken, I think like 18 bones. Um, when you heal up and you're, you're fucking, your life is back on track and you're psyched and you kind of get stronger than ever every single time, no matter how many times you break a bone or snap a ligament, you always come back stronger you, you, I, I feel like it's always like I, I wouldn't take that back. I, I wouldn't take back the pain that I went through. I mean, you have to feel that, right? Like it just it puts a different trajectory on your life, and it's usually positive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the overall outcome is positive. 
for sure. Uh, I I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, let's do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I need more lessons, man. I need to learn more. Uh, didn't quite get it that time. Uh. <laughs> you appreciate the lesson, and it's rad. But it's like, oh, cool. Like I, I guess I. Here's what I got out of it. Sweet. You know, you also said something. <clears throat> we'll stick with you for one more second here. You, yeah. um, and I think it was in a story for Evening Sends. You were talking about this is the one thing I wanted to talk about your Joshua Tree fall. Um, your doctor told you that you know now you have a second chance at life, and you, you, yeah. you know you need to make the most of it. And I fucking loved your response to that missive. You know, as well-meaning as I'm sure the doctor was, can you? talk about like what you, what you took from that pretty much offhand comment and probably a positive comment but your perspective was uh kind of paradigm shifting for me yeah i guess like if you get a second chance at life like you shouldn't really be changing what you're doing like you should just be doing it better yeah. like you should be how you're living your life you, you should be psyched on that and you should be like, you should have like made these decisions that this is how I want to live my life. And if you fuck up that that's okay. Like, but stay on track and just like do it better the next time. Yeah. And there's that, <clears throat> there's that underlying, like, um, that underlying whiff of like, you fucked it up the first time. Right. Like you should totally change it. And you've like, you've totally screwed everything up and like, you need to entirely reevaluate what's going on. But really it's like, uh, no, you just like need to improve a little bit and you just like need to change some things. It's like, <clears throat> okay, we'll, we'll go back to a climbing metaphor. Like you fall on a route, right? You fall on the crux of a route. And like, that's okay. You, you like most of the climbing you did fine and you're like, you did great. So you just need to change like whatever little thing you fell on. Yeah. And just get better at it. I love it, man. Just because you vaguely barn doored at the top of a solo, somebody can say that your life needs to be entirely rejiggered. It's just a bunch of nonsense. Although, once again, I'm sure the doctor was just speaking in platitudes, you know, that we all speak in. I loved your perspective. It was great. Yeah. I I think there's a better way to say that, but I haven't quite figured it out. I probably wrote something better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, the writing is what I was talking about, and it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah so if anybody has any questions, they should just read that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes as well. <laughs> Contact James's mom. <laughs> yeah. um, so th- that leads me back to you, Nina. You've done uh, what's been called, I guess. I didn't know about this until I was doing some research. The Grandpa Peabody Trifecta which is like evolution direct footprints. Uh, And I saw you do evolution direct. I was drinking a coffee. Didn't you do it in the morning? Like three. Uh, It was the evening. Evening. Maybe I saw you working on it. Anyway, I was cheering for you, but so you did. And footprints was the other one. Footprints, ambrosia and evolution direct. Um, 
is your highball career over? Are you going to like go do too big to flail or I mean, um, you kind of touched on it a bit, but do you have any more goals on that front? You know, I'm, I'm not too sure. I actually did go and try too big to flail, uh, on a top rope and that one, it gets, for whatever reason, it gets a slightly easier grade than Ambrosia, but it's completely switched. It's totally sandbagged probably cause Honnold did the first descent, but <laughs> Um, uh, I, I got pretty spooked cause the moves are really reachy and mm. insecure. And it um, looks like tiny holds too. Jesus, like really, really small crimps and slimpers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like pretty insecure movement. Um, but it's mainly the feet that your feet could just book. Like Ambrosia is slightly overhanging. There's good feet throughout the whole way. There's like some glued holds, but I'm light. So <laughs> didn't yeah. worry about that. Uh, but Man, too big to flail was like, I th- I think because people were asking me like, oh, what's what's your next goal? Like, what you know, what are you? What's the next highball you're gonna do? And I was like, well, maybe I'll try too big to flail. Um, but as I worked it, I was like, who am I working this for? Am I doing it because I actually want to do it, or is it because people asked me what the next thing was? And I no, Nia, like- you have to, you have to do it. You did the trifecta. It's the next <laughs> one on there. You have to. And, and granted, like no nobody's like there's no pressure from at least I don't believe that anyone is pressuring me to be like oh you have to you know go this 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 other way, um, so so yeah so I, I if I do have more highball goals um, they'll probably just like come to me last minute and and we'll see but. I really am. I mean, that's part of the reason why I I wanted to get more into trad climbing is because it gives me that same mental uh, atmosphere and environment that I love so much about highballing, but I'm attached to a rope (laughs) and I'm a few thousand feet off the ground, but which is nice, less of a danger of dying. I think (laughs) I'm sure your parents are relieved as well. They are. (laughs) I, I think it's uh, hilarious. I mean, I'm a shitty trad climber. I trad climb often. Yeah! Pardon the interruption. So you trad climb often, huh, Dave? I trad climb like six to eight times a year. Seems pretty not often to me. It was hyperbole. Back to the show. But I'm not any good at it. But I always think it's uh, it's funny how if you talk to a trad climber, they're like, I'm not fucking going highball like uh, oftentimes like i'm not going highball bouldering like if you fall you hit the ground and boulders are like i'm not plugging gear all my gear is gonna rip and i'm gonna die (laughs) it's fucking crazy right Mm -hmm. they're not exactly the most complimentary disciplines uh actually i take that back it's I think it's easier to go from bouldering into trad climbing than it or any sort of roped climbing than it is to go from roped climbing into bouldering. I think that's a natural progression. Yeah. Like for sure. But that brings me to a point I want to talk to both you guys about as somebody who's <clears throat> Nina, you've done um you know, the biggest high balls around and and hard as well. And James, you know, you've spent most of your career in Yosemite doing free rider, putting up uh, FAs and then as well, you know, you're a, you're a red point soloist, like you've mentioned <laughs> in the past, which is amazing. Um, can you guys talk about fear management, like for my benefit and for listeners <laughs> benefits and, and how you manage to control your fear in uh pretty 
what other people would see as pretty precarious situations. Like, is there a mechanism you can turn off or turn on or is it natural? How do you deal with that? Uh, well, like, I don't think you're going to be able to like, just turn off your fear. Like that, I can never that, turn off my fear. dude. Yeah. Ever. It, I think it's important to have like a, reasonable expectations for yourself of like how scared you are. Like, um, if you hike to the top of El Cap and you, you like immediately like go a foot off the edge, you're going to be like terrified. And, uh, and I think like <clears throat> trying to be like, Oh no, I'm not going to be scared at all. I'll be fine. It isn't, a reasonable expectation. I think it's like, okay, I'll be, I'll go do it. And then I'll go try it again. And uh, I'll be a little less scared. And yeah. it, I think it, it's about like taking little steps to be less afraid. So I guess like, like if you're fall, if you're scared of falling, climbing, then it's like, okay, like you, you like get a top rope up and you fall a little on top rope and then you fall like a little farther on top rope and then you like take a little lead fall and then you take a bigger lead fall and then you like don't think about it as you're climbing and you and then you're just like whipping and going for it it's it's sort of like what james was mentioning earlier about not thinking about hypotheticals like fear uh, if you, and it's also not about overcoming or ignoring the fear, like the fear is there trying to get you into that hypothetical state of mind. Like, Oh, uh, your what if your gear blows? What if you twist your ankle falling on the pad? Like what if, what if, but the trick is to, is to pay even more attention to the fear and, and listen to the underlying message of like, okay, uh, I don't, I don't want to think about what could happen. I want to think about what's happening in this moment right now. Like what is going on? Um, and, and how can I either, how can I make a decision? So like fear tends to make people freeze. Um, and, and the more you pay attention to it, the more you're able to decide, okay, I can either bail or I can try and push forward and, and go for it. But one thing that you said, Nina, um, I don't remember which podcast it was or if it was uh, something in writing where when you got to the top of Ambrosia, you had like no feelings of elation or mass emotion because you had promised yourself that this ascent would be emotion free. Is that part of it as well? Uh, I don't think I ever promised myself that the that it would be emotion free or emotionless. Um, it's just how I ended up climbing it mainly like mm. ambrosia was different even from, um, footprints or evolution direct because I had done it so many times and it became this pure logical reasoning. It was like, okay, I've done the top 10 times I've done it from two moves in on top rope. Like I know for sure that I can do this thing and there's, it's not, there, there's just no doubt, uh, whatsoever, but on, on footprints, for example, that was the first climb that I did, uh, out of that, that, those three. 
And I, I had only done the top of it once on top rope because my friends like happened to have a rope up and I hadn't done any of the bottom moves. That's where the crux is. Um, and I didn't really, I hadn't expected to get through the crux on, on the second day. (laughs) So all of a sudden I, I tried it from the bottom and I was like, Oh, well, we'll just see what happens. Like I probably won't get through. And, and I did, and I made it onto the head wall and I was like, Oh my God, well I'm in it. And I know that I've done it once, so I should be able to do it again. <laughs> um, and, and the climbing on that headwall is much easier than the top of Ambrosia, of course. Yeah, but yeah. There's, there's one foot move up there that I had forgotten about mm. that wouldn't make any, any difference if I was like three feet off the ground, but I was like 35 feet off the ground when I came to this foot move. And so I like felt the fear um, – this like panic start to rise in my chest. But, and I think that was the emotion of realizing, Oh my God, I'm 35 feet off the ground and I don't remember this move. Like what's going to happen. But I had to use logic to, to shut down the emotion and be like, okay, this, this is a bad situation to be feeling any sort of panic or fear. So let's just put that away for now. (laughs) Like if you, you know, you've done this move once before, let's like focus on the facts. And if you've done it before, you can do it again. So let's just do it right now. And that was essentially my thought process in those few seconds where that fear started to overcome me. Um, so I made it through, everything was fine. And then when I got to the top, uh, I started shaking. Like I was physically shaking because I, I like, was dealing with it at the summit, which was a more appropriate place to deal with the fear. than. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so it just became this, this matter, these like this, this quick decision-making process of like, okay, am I going to freak out right mm-hmm. now? Or am I going to get through this? I'd really rather get through this. So yeah, and the whole time you're in that situation, there's like a clock ticking too. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. like, all right, got to keep moving. <laughs> My hands are very sweaty right now. My dude. hands are so fucking sweaty. I can't <laughs> believe it. We need to we need to borrow James's crash pad for uh, turning point that tissue. God damn. Um, we've kept you guys an hour, so uh, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I know you're super busy and got traveling coming up, but I Nina, James, Nina did tell me to ask you one question. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the free solo movie? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not really sure. I guess like it, it, it's a beautiful film and it's super well uh, shot and it, it's interesting. I think they do a good job of telling the story. Uh, I guess I have some questions as to like what the motivation was behind making the story. Like, you don't really need like a camera to go soloing. Mm-hmm. And so what, like, and uh, in the film, Honnold speaks a little bit about how the camera affects him. And so it's like, Oh, well, why did you choose to have, to have it filmed in general? And then it, it also like, uh, made me think a little bit about, like what the camera crew was doing 
and how they're like Honold and the camera crew are kind of like enabling each other. What do you mean by that? Well, like I think Honold needed the camera crew there a little bit for the pressure to go do it, to ha have like this expectation of like, okay, you're going to like free solo El Cap at some point. Like we're here, we've got all these cameras, you're, you're going to do it. And I think the, um, and then they also like provide some, uh, a measure of safety, you know, like when Honald bailed on free blast, he, he was given like a, <clears throat> like sling and repel device to, uh, like wrap off of mammoth terraces. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he could have easily just sat there and waited for another party. But then also it's like um, up higher, it's like, oh, someone, someone's like 20 feet away or, or maybe even 200 feet away. And if you get gripped at any point, you can just yell for a rescue. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like there, there's a little bit of like safety involved there. And also, I guess it, yeah. Um yeah, I mean it's a good financial decision. <laughs> yes. Yes it is. And and so it's like, oh, are you like are you like this is obviously going to make you a lot of money is that one of your motivations behind doing it? Do you think it was? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to like really ask Honold. Now, I'm I'm sure Honold doesn't really know. Yeah. I'm sure it's yeah. something he's thought about. I mean, he like a lot of good soloists have their ascents film. You know, like Dean Potter soloed the top third of the Freerider, and he had it filmed, and he's done like a lot of stuff for cameras, and uh, Honold's done a lot of stuff for cameras, and that's certainly like, uh, yeah, you're doing it for money at that point. Oof. And Whoa. so it's oh, are you like we've got a yeah. major feedback issue? Oh, it's gone. Oh, okay, <laughs> beautiful. Um, yeah, Jesus, I, that... like, I was like, oh my god, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking broke the podcast, James. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was imagining people on Instagram just or Facebook Live just lighting up into me. Oh, we we just got hacked that. by Honold's army. Yeah. <laughs> the screen's gone black. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, our screen has gone black, and my house is on fire. Um, that's an important question, man. We could do an entire show on that because, I mean, that kind of reminds me of the the intersection between social media and film and yeah. uh, promotion, and then this super personal lifestyle that we that has like changed all of us right in like immense uh really big ways i don't, yeah, know. I don't know it's like what's your motivation for climbing are you climbing for a career and like money and fame are you climbing for fun and i like i guess yeah it's hard not you should you shouldn't like pass judgment about any of those things. It's just like, Oh, like, why are you doing this? And yeah. it's some 
consider in your decisions. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't really think I'm comfortable passing judgment at all unless you're a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'm going to pass like a ton of judgment. But if yeah. if you seem like a, a kind, good person, yeah. you know, we all climb for different reasons. Um, and if you want to make some money off of it, I think yeah. that's great, dude. Like yeah. make some money off of it. It's better than, you know, stamping license plates. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. trying to get super famous, but I, I've recently found out that I'm really weak and it's <laughs> fucking up my yeah. plans. It's hard on Dave. Yeah. Well, maybe you can make a sick podcast. <laughs> I know. In the end, we're probably going to have to have, have somebody else host this thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's not looking good so far. We're selling the podcast. <laughs> if you guys are interested, we have two mics. Uh... Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, we got a Zoom H6. We'll sell this whole fucking thing yeah. to you for like 1200 bucks. Oh, nice. What a deal. Yeah. Well, we'll have we'll have our people, the Thundercling uh-huh. um, lawyers, talk to your people. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and I... I, just you guys mainly. I don't want like the Dita's lawyers hassling, yeah. hassling my people. We're under equipped for that kind of lawsuit. We have lawyers. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we'll leave it there. Um, thank you so much. That was thank you. Oh, fucking really fun. All right. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. It was nice to meet you, James, as well. Oh yeah, nice to talk to you. Meet you. I have, just as a final comment. I feel like I threw James under the bus a little bit by <laughs> by what? <laughs> by I threw James under the bus a little bit by by asking telling you guys to ask him about the free solo question because uh it is it's just like such a complicated topic. Yeah. Um and it's like a step in a different direction for climbing as far as going mainstream. Um, and I think it's like definitely a step forward, but I think it's also important to, to continue to think critically about what, what that means, not just for Honold, but just like for the sport as a whole. Um, and yeah, it could definitely like deserve its own, <laughs> its own episode. Nina, I totally agree with you. Like, <clears throat> I think we, as climbing becomes, you know, continues to like exponentially fill the universe, um, our universes as it were, um, I think we need to keep asking those questions and I know we didn't talk about it much, but hopefully the idea of what does climbing mean to us? How does it, how do we represent it to the, uh, to people who maybe don't climb? How can be, we be responsible in the way that we, we represent climbing as it, you know, goes into the Olympics. And I mean, I think the, the documentary, uh, free solo broke, uh, theater per capita records for a documentary premiere. I don't think I, I know that happened. Like it's it's oh. the most popular documentary period ever to hit theaters for like one screening or like a opening weekend or something like that. It's really yeah. big. So we need to ask those questions, and we need to ask them of the athletes and the filmmakers and ourselves, right? Right. Um. Yeah. We should. We'll get you guys back on if you um if you want to continue talking. This was so much fun. Yeah. This yeah. Is rad. This yeah. is rad. I, you, you kind of had me at the beginning for a little bit. I was looking at James. I was like, wait, is this like actually a dating podcast? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it took every iota of strength not to go down the micro penis rabbit hole. Yeah. But we pumped the brakes. We, we didn't do it. Hole. Wait, way to be a bigger man. Hey, Oh, <laughs> all right, guys, nice Nina, guys. uh, have a great trip to London and you guys have a great trip to the South and let's do this again. Whenever you guys have time. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Anytime. All right, guys. Cheers. Thanks. See you. Later. Bye. If I had to lean one way, I'd probably lean left. Because social injustice don't give my respect now. And we're live. Ba-boom. It's bleeding That's it, man. That's a wrap. Thanks, Nina. Thanks, James. That was incredibly fun. I hope I didn't embarrass myself. I don't think you embarrassed yourself as much as you potentially could have. I think I think the scale yeah, for you yeah, is yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. out of whack. So I think on your particular scale, on yeah. the VD scale... You could have been like embarrassed. God, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. But uh, I thought you comported yourself with dignity and kindness, and that's all that all that we're here for in wow. the, the Thunderkling podcast. Well, I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate the honesty. So I'll be honest with you too. I thought you embarrassed yourself. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't take offense to that at all. Yeah, I'm sure I did numerous times. We. That's the great thing about our relationship is I can tell you that I hate you. Ah, uh, yeah. That you. Yep. That's right. Have caused everything that's wrong with my life not well most things most things excuse me uh-huh. yeah. and you can just you know, we're on the same page yeah and i appreciate that that i can tell you also that every single second i spend with you mm-hmm. when i go to bed yeah. at night i say to myself lord yeah i wish yeah. i would have spent all of those moments yeah doing doing literally, literally yeah anything else well that's except staring yeah. at feedies mm-hmm. bespectacled face it's true i have spectacles but well, I need- yeah and that's that's the great thing about this but anyways <laughs> some housekeeping yeah we have some housekeeping yeah um again thanks nina thanks james that was great i'm sure we'll talk to them again soon but uh let's talk a little bit about thundercling so we mentioned at the beginning of the program <laughs> that uh, we were interested in hearing stories and that is very true um if you have a climbing story a lifestyle story um Again, a callback to the beginning of this episode, uh, a story about living on the road, being a dirtbag, van life in it. Give us a call. Give us a call. Give us an email. More Three, particular. 319-621-6919. Ooh, we're definitely going to beep that out. <laughs> um, I don't think you're going to get what all the feedback you'd yeah. uh, Give us an email at thunderclingpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Tell us your story. Also... If you would like to do some writing or have some photography or art you would like to share, I would be tickled to publish you. Dave is a publishing Pu- guy. That's not true. That's overstating what? it just a bit. Oh. We do have a website, though, thundercling.com, where we have in the past and hope to, in the future, start publishing other people's stories because that's what we're here for. We're here to hear your stories yeah. and spread them. We, the will be, we will be stern, we will be strict, and we will not tolerate or... We will not tolerate fools. Yeah. So send there, your best. Yeah. All right? There will be no ballyhoo. There will be no, no uh, uh, other things like ballyhoo. Like ballyhoo. I don't actually know what he's saying. We're not going to take any of that crap. So uh, don't let that scare cool. you. We're actually pretty easy dudes. So send us um, any feedback or any story ideas, or if you want to get interviewed, yeah, send us some feedback. And uh, make sure you f- make sure you s- you s- you uh, l- like us. You know. Yeah. Tell us you like that's us. That's the most important. That's the most important thing. If you want to say something mean, uh, you can type it out onto the keyboard and then hit delete. Hit control A and then hit delete. And then that would be, that's uh, adequate for us. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, or if you'd like to send that to us as well, you can. You can. And I'll be responsible for doing that. Fiji's, Fiji's way too fragile How for that. How dare you call me Fiji? Fiji is too fragile for that. <laughs> um, but you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram. We'll be on Twitter. We don't have a huge presence on yeah. that right now. It, I'm sure we'll ramp that up at some point, mm-hmm. but that's not really the uh, most important thing. Check us out at Thundercling. Um, review and rate us. That's uh, the powers that be tell us that that is quite important, quite important. on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, no podcaster knows why they say that, but it's incumbent on all of us to it's, say that. You do, when we bought these microphones, this weird little piece of paper was in there that said, "Make sure that you get people to rate and rate and review on iTunes." And it was scribbled in blood. Jesus, yeah, it's real, real serious. Yes, we did buy them at Spirit Halloween store. Though. <laughs> um. Yeah, so do all that stuff. We're going to be back with another episode, hopefully uh, every two weeks, sometimes maybe every week. Um, But certainly every two weeks, uh, we got some good guests already done and in the books and slated. They'll be coming out soon. And uh, we sincerely hope you you. like us. I mean, I like you guys. That's all. That's all I meant to say. You can say you love them, Okay. Well, I love them. I have affectionate feelings towards all of you as well. I don't mm-hmm. think it is quite metastasized. Yeah, not love. quite love. I'm a yeah. I'm a sucker. I fall in hard and I fall deep. Yeah. Yeah, Fidi's a big fat baby. And uh <laughs> that's okay though. We need those big babies fat in our lives. Babe. Um Yeah, that's it, man. Do cool. you have anything else to say? I don't think I think we should just shut up and you know, see all of our friends in two weeks maybe. Yeah. What do you think? That sounds good to me. Should we go climb a rock? Uh well I, yes. You're injured. Should I go climb a rock and you can take yeah. some photos? Yeah, you go me? climb a rock and I'll cry in this room. Hold the press. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What we, just happened? We have a little bit more to go. That's right. Just a tiny, tiny bit. Please hang don't on. leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Just I hang know. on for one more sec. One more sec. Please. It's not that big a deal. It's not a big deal. Just, just quit we'll making it a big a deal. Second. Yes, just settle down. Settle. Gosh. It's like I can't even deal it's, with that. It's like you're making it our fault now. Yeah, it isn't our fault. It's not our fault. It's not your fault, but it's fucking somebody's. We're going to get to the bottom of it. You bet your bottom dollar, my friends. So what are we, what are we doing? Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say thank you to um, the guy who wrote all the music for the podcast. Oh, I like that music. Ryan Doty. D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. Doty. You can find him on iTunes. You can find him... On Facebook, you can find him all over. He is a singer-songwriter out of the Midwest. Um, He's a badass musician. He's put out like four albums. His last one was incredible. He was kind enough to give us access to his entire music catalog. That's awesome. It's really good for us. Yeah. I like the one-way street (laughs) that we have going. He gives us things. Someday we'll interview him, right? Yeah, we're he's going to be on the show. He'll be touring out here, I think, next March out here in Colorado and in the West and Cali and all over. So he'll be a guest pretty soon. He's also a, a pretty hardcore climber. So we're psyched to have him. On. Cool. Number two, number two thing. Number two we'll thing. Go. Yeah, Just please, please again, relaxed. It's not, if you, I didn't want to make it anyone's fault, but if you're trying to put blame, I'm ready to figure it out. Yeah. I'm ready to put it on you. Feeding's <laughs> looking pretty stern <laughs> over here. Gravel. There's gravel always waiting outside. <laughs> um, we want to say that there are a lot of, a lot of voices uh, in the climbing podcast world, which is I, th- I think is a good thing. Good thing. A good, good thing. It's a good thing that they're all out there <laughs> listening to stories about climbing. Um, it's also a good thing. <sighs> uh, 
uh, from the uh, svelte baritone of the enormous. Hey, I'm Chris Calhoun. Yeah, he's the OG. And then there's um, the Power Climbing Company podcast. Ooh, I like That's those guys. Oh, so good. There's uh, the Blister Climbing podcast. The hooligans there's, up in Canada. Yeah, there's a bunch Bad of psychopaths beta. up in Canada. The Bad Beta podcast. You got got to listen to them. They're fantastic. Um, Neely Quinn. Neely Quinn with Training, Training Beta. beta. Um, there's Base Camp from Climbing Magazine. There's yeah. the Epic from Rock yeah, and so Ice. D- if you guys Jetpack didn't Diaries. like us, you know, there's, there's options, right? Yeah, there's choices. Like, just tell us and we'll move on. And listen to them. Yes, listen to them as at least. well. Let's all ships rise in a rising sea? It's a rising sea, Seems guys. redundant. Oh, it's a good thing. Oh, it's a good thing that uh, ships are all rising. Oh, are... but you'd hate to see them go low into the reefs. Oh, ooh. Oh. I, did you see hear that trill? Yeah, that was really good. Is that? I don't oh. really know how to do oh. an Irish accent. I'm yeah. sorry for any uh, uh, um, Irish folks listening. Yeah, uh, trigger warning. Here's the thing, though. We're going to keep that up for the rest of this program. <laughs> so we wanted to say... Uh, it's it's great. It's been a great pleasure to join the universe. I don't know about your. Yeah, mine isn't <laughs> very good. <laughs> uh, to join the the voices out there talking about climbing. So if you like us, that's great. If you don't, there's plenty of stuff out there. Broaden your horizons. Listen to Normacast, Power Climbing Company, the Weirdos Up in Canada, the Great, the Bad Beta Podcast, and all the others. They're real good. We just wanted to say that, and now we're going to say goodbye or. Ta-ta. We'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>